Do it now, told you, do it now. Yo, you listen. Welcome to a special collaboration episode between 699 Per Pound and Girls We Know Collective Shades. We are both part of Listening Party and Canal Street Radio, which you can follow at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Just for refresher, 699 Per Pound, we interview leaders and professionals from a wide variety of careers and lifestyles, just like the diverse food options found at a Korean old hot food deli. Um, and at this time, I'm going to let our lovely guests, aka the other podcast hosts, Litsy and Angie, plug their podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thank so you for inviting us. I know. I'm like really excited for this collaboration. Thanks. So we're Collective Shades um, of Girls We Know podcast, and ours is basically just connecting different, you know, women of color through conversations. That's awesome. Um, so this week we wanted to collaborate much in part thanks to our amazing producer Michael Ken Stewart who <laughs> connected the dots and brought us together like the human tinder that he is um, I love the human tinder he's, he's just like they're going to get along so the well plug. I know oh and if you guys notice Jakey's not here because he's not a woman of color uh, <laughs> he's in LA he's in LA and could not make it but I think it will make our conversation much more robust because he's going to be like wait I don't understand it's like yeah you don't but um, we have this, these lovely ladies and I think so people who don't know Listening Party is kind of this collective um, hosted by Canal Street Radio you know we would see each other around mm-hmm. and we would have these like networking events and I think we really vibed and yeah. I think once we kept on talking about doing a collaboration episode together and here we are I know finally finally <laughs> seriously making it happen I know <laughs> I was walking over here I was like oh this is going to be such a fun recording because we're going to talk about what we usually talk about yeah. even outside of our podcast recording, which is um, our workplace and being a person of color, a, a female, a woman of color in the workplace and how we navigate microaggressions, unconscious bias, balancing all of that with professionalism and advancing. And we just wanted to open it up to the floor and maybe we can go around and talk about what our individual workplace looks like. Yeah. And looks like literally like, you know, what do that what does that look like and maybe like the industry that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, do you wanna start, let's see? Yeah, sure. Um, I currently work at a sales agency in a fashion uh, multi-line showroom. So um, pretty much what I do is just um, we're in wholesale in the wholesale mm-hmm. industry. So I work with a few European designers and um, after fashion week happens, we kind of just like get the collections and we prep it and we see buyers from like Nordstrom Mm -hmm. to Bergdorf's to uh, independent boutiques. So our job is pretty much to sell the designers collection during a certain amount of time. Um, But I've been in the industry for a while for maybe like three, four years professionally before that I was like freelancing and then doing other things too. Um, But... The wholesale industry is interesting because in the fashion side, it's not very diverse. Mm. It's, um, you know, I've been through a lot of trade shows and doing, you know, market week in Paris. But 
oftentimes the women selling the clothing yeah. are are always white. Mm. Um, and it's so interesting because the men's industry is yeah. very diverse. Oh, yeah. wow. Very. Yeah. That's surprising. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I, I just think, think men like to work together more than women, <laughs> honestly. True, true, true. Yeah. For sure. I think so. I think women, um, I think naturally we're just very... Um, kind of I don't want to say like clicky but we just kind of you know yeah. tend to it's like a little sorority yeah sometimes. I think so and you know when you have a showroom with uh, a lot of white women it's usually they get to tend to only hire white women mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. yeah what about you Angie you're in fashion too yes mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I work for Steve Madden um, I do marketing and social media um, so like Comments, DMs, mm-hmm. um, working with influencers, wow. uh, doing uh, like behind the scenes now for mm-hmm. like our photo shoots and our campaigns and things like that. Um, it's it's different. Um, I've been doing this for since April. Um, and before that, I was still at Steve Madden, but I was doing like the wholesale side. Mm. But I've been in the fashion and like, I mean, I've only ever worked in fashion yeah. and prior to being at Steve Madden. I've only ever worked uh, retail and like briefly at a showroom. Yeah. Um, and you know, yeah, what did like that this, workplace look like, and what does it look like now? Re- so, okay, so when it comes to retail, um, I think retail can be very diverse, mm-hmm. but yeah, when you start looking at the people that are being promoted, it's really never the people mm-hmm. that look like you, mm-hmm. it's usually like white women, yeah, um, or it's usually like white women, or I want to see, or I want to say like women or people that are like white passing, mm-hmm. um. And honestly, the same thing for corporate. Yeah. Um, in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. that's yeah. really like all you see. They're the ones that make the decisions, mm-hmm. whether you can relate to them or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it's it's tough. Yeah. No, I think I and I'm in a similar boat as well. So like I work at uh, CNN's Great Big Story and it is a media company, kind of like a startup situation. Yeah. Before that, I was at MTV and it's interesting when I was at MTV, it was I didn't appreciate the diversity as much because it was actually very diverse. But as Angie said, it gets less diverse as you go further up to the top. Um, it's usually like the hustling coordinators or mm-hmm. like the junior managers who are like people of color and they're actually doing the creative work and executing. And but then sometimes like the people who are getting the credit um, or approving budgets or have making the thought leadership decisions aren't the people who are on the ground and it, it so it was diverse but as you said it was not diverse at the top I'm in a situation now where I think it's even less diverse and especially in the creative um, editorial side yeah there's only like one black producer you know one now we have one Asian producer <laughs> and it's interesting too because I think being Asian American there's like spaces where it might be diverse but yeah. then it, it, it's still underrepresented in terms of like the Asian perspective whereas like you know in finance or accounting maybe there's an overrepresentation of Asian Americans and like less representation everywhere else I think in media it can kind of be a toss-up depending yeah. on where you work um and yeah, it's it's pretty dismal. I think there's can be such big improvement. And I don't know if you guys experience this, but especially when you're making content that is for a diverse community, or you're featuring a character, or even you know, models, or like maybe you know they want to work with an influencer who's like not white, right? Yeah. But then 
it's all for the purpose of, of like selling something or trying to use diversity as like a coin, like a badge on their shoulder to be like, hey, like, look how diverse we are. I'm like, but like our workplace isn't that diverse. Right. So that is kind of like the, the little daily things that I struggle with of sometimes they're like, oh, we know we have a long way to go in terms of diversity, but the stories we tell are diverse. I'm just like, but isn't that problematic? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, I think even for me, just from what I've noticed is like, I think it, it truly bothers me. Like, mm-hmm. even when I look at like certain photo shoots or mm-hmm. just campaigns, not even from like necessarily where I work, but just from like other companies. And it's like they have like that one token black yep. girl uh-huh. or like that one token Spanish girl uh-huh. just to and say like that. They, yeah, exactly. Just to say that you had them and they're like, oh, no, like, mm-hmm. look, we're diverse. It's like it's kind of like that, like white person and kid where mm-hmm. they're like, but I have a black friend. Oh, my God. No, that's not. <laughs> uh-uh. It's uh-uh. different. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. Like this totally is different. so different. And <laughs> I think it's like this is when I say um especially when it comes to companies, it's like you have the most diverse, like when you look at the demographics of who is buying your products, mm-hmm. more often than not, they are people of color. Yeah. But your campaigns never show that. Mm-hmm. And that is like the biggest thing that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's also like, well, why, why am I going to want to follow you on social media? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like now, like I'm in that social media realm. So like now, like I pay, I really like pay attention to things like that. It's like, yeah. well, I, you know, I love this brand, but yeah. like their campaigns don't really represent me. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So like, I don't really know how I feel about this. Cause then now I'm looking at it like, okay, well, who are the top executives that are in, mm-hmm. you know, that are a part of your company? Like who's making these decisions? Why do they think that this, that I'm supposed to relate to this or yeah. this person that you're showing me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. And there's that little like borrowing of culture, right? Like, especially I was pretty shocked and, you know, putting people under the bus maybe. But at Complex, (laughs) like my friend who works at Complex was like, she was so excited to go there because she was like, oh, my God, it's going to be so diverse. I'm going to be making content that like touches my community. Um, She's Arab, but Mm -hmm. um, she's worked in um, she's worked with a lot of HBCUs and everything. And she was so excited to finally like be authentic in her work and but again seeing these like top executives who are all white men yeah and they're just capitalizing and making money off of mm-hmm. their culture right and just like wearing that cultural badge of like we're for the quote-unquote urban community like right. i hate that word so much Me too. and it, and it's just kind of like living with that and it's sometimes it's hard because like maybe it's not mutually exclusive like maybe like you can make like really amazing content that resonate to people but it just feels dirty like because yeah. it's like ah, but it's not the money is from you know and we're doing this to sell more and it doesn't feel authentic and right. honestly part of the reason is of me doing this podcast is because I realize like I'm not at the top of that totem pole and I can't make these like moralistic I can't instill these things in my company because they don't care at all they don't they don't especially when they're making money like I don't give a shit exactly sorry, no 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 oh, okay oh, <laughs> yeah, have you heard JK we totally hurts yeah and I'm just also loving like okay we're gonna talk shit now basically <laughs> um but yeah it's like I was like wow like you know I was like so naive I thought you know this you, because we try to find so much of ourselves in our careers and we want it to fulfill so many things mm-hmm. and when I realized very quickly that like I was just getting angry at work because like it's like it's not fulfilling my yeah. like ethics and morals like I really channeled into my podcast I'm like okay at least I have this you know like mm-hmm. this is channeling my purpose and everything but but still when you're spending that much time at work it's so hard not to it's like let draining it, it's draining but I know yeah. I know for me like 
I didn't typically care. Not that I didn't care, but I really mm-hmm. didn't pay attention to like the different races and like mm-hmm. the things that go on in like a workplace until I got to like corporate. Because the retail, I really, I really didn't care about that. Like yeah. I really, I just, it wasn't something that like I paid attention to. But mm-hmm. I think just like as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. you go on certain job interviews and just like the mm-hmm. way they're talking to you. And it's like, mm, yeah, I don't know about this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And let's see, have you ever had like a personal experience where you've really felt kind of marginalized or experience like unconscious bias? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think in working in the women's industry of fashion, I think that's always in the back of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, my um, current employment is very white. I'm the only person of color there. Um, There occasionally is, you know, when we have interns, we um, have women of color as interns or our models always, you know, um, women of color too. Um, But as far as anyone else in the workplace, working there it's never been anyone you know mm-hmm. of another race mm-hmm. and do you think there isn't that a, isn't that an issue you're just like hi um are we all looking around the same room yeah and you guys all look the same right is that not an issue at all like they don't talk about that at all i don't think so i mean to them it's like you know they're so it's just so used to being an environment where they're always the majority yeah so i don't think that's you know consciously something that they're thinking about um, but thankfully my coworkers, you know, they, it's, it's not an issue of, mm-hmm. you know, I always like, I feel excluded or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, I can say, I can honestly say that the girls that I work with right now are super, you know, I love them. I think yeah. they're super open. They're super, yeah. you know, conscious about, you know, what they say and how they feel and how, and, um, they treat me as an equal, mm-hmm. you know, versus maybe other places that I worked at. Mm-hmm. Like, what are some examples of the other places that made you realize, like, hey, this place is actually, like, good? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think maybe in the past I've had, um, you know, someone that I worked with that thought that they um, were a little bit more open to being, you know, to other other cultures because they were culture. They they grew up maybe in, you know other parts of the world mm-hmm. and you know we're always around very a diverse group of people but subconsciously the way they acted and what they said was not always correct mm-hmm. like they were always you know there was very micro a lot of microaggressions mm-hmm. and I mean Angie kind of knows a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and knows what like, I'm talking about I'm not so. concerned sir. I know it's like trying not to laugh like <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah so good yeah. you guys used to work together mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Litzy was my plug for the showroom oh yeah yes <laughs> the fix yeah. but that's well that's why it's so important right I was literally googling like I was trying to be more diplomatic with my Google search, but I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. How to deal with a racist person at work. And it's literally like, or how to deal with racism at work, like point blank. And all these advice just seem like so shitty to me. But one of them that I did love is like, obviously finding someone that you can confide in Mm because it's so lonely when it actually happens to you, you know? Yeah. Um, so I know for me, I'm the only person of color on my team. Mm-hmm. There's not there's, like when I like when I say only, like I yeah. literally mean only because oh everybody god. else on my team is white. Oh my god! So it's like very awkward when we are sometimes in the meetings and they're talking about diversity and they don't ask me anything. I'm like, like hello, <laughs> and like it just it, sometimes it kind of like gets to a point where it's just like honestly, like I'm just I'm not even gonna like say anything because yeah. I'm just like. Yeah, you don't feel I like I kind of want to see where you guys are going to go mm-hmm. with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not going to be on this sinking ship with you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like you can fall on your own sword. Yeah. And sure. it's just like, and it also, for me, it just makes me wonder, even for like other companies, it's like, okay, well, 
at what point do you start talking about diversity when you finally have that one little bit of diversity on your team? Mm-hmm. Or like, were you were you talking about this before? Yeah. yeah. I think they're probably going to talk about it when they get called out on it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, but no. Yeah. yeah. No, and, but yes. And God forbid you leave. They're going to be like, oh, shit, we're all white. We, yeah. need to, we need to backfill this with like another, you know, person so we can say, yeah. you know, I, I saw that happen exactly at like the companies that I work with. I'll keep it vague just so I can keep my job. But <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you look around and it's like there's like one token, like non-white producer or something. And that person leaves and all of a sudden it's like a rush to like hire like the next like producer that is not going to be white, yeah. right? Because they're like, oh shit, it doesn't become an issue until it's so blindly, like they see like a PR disaster waiting to happen. Like, yeah. And it sucks that like you feel like a tool like for them. And I had a really great mentor at MTV who she was so competent and successful, but she had this immense imposter syndrome. She was a black woman because she was like, every time the company is going through like a crisis or a diversity issue, like I get promoted. And it's like, of course I know myself and I know how amazing I am and I know I kill it, but like, it just, it just feels so terrible that they're doing it not because, or in times to help them, right. not to advance me, yeah. not to mentor me or to develop me. Like, and she felt so conflicted in these like the promotions that she would be getting. Cause it just, even though she didn't really know how to like associate with it, it's like, okay, I could like run with it and like use it against them. Obviously that's like one way, but also just like not feeling good. It's like, do I want to be just their pawn? Right. Cause it's right? like, you don't really appreciate me. You're just doing this to make you look good. Exactly. God forbid, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a, a, also an instance where like a really great friend of mine, he just wasn't getting promoted and it just was so clear that I felt like it had to do with his skin and he brought it up to HR and you know promotion went, went through right away but then it wasn't as satisfying as he thought because he's like why did I have to like say address something, it yeah. say something in order to get it and yeah. and I also feel like with younger um, POC like interns and when I see them and I see them hustling so hard like I almost like go up to them just like don't kill yourself for this yeah. company like you know, me all the time. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Like, don't do don't it. Do it. <laughs> like one time I looked up and it was like me and like, like two other women, our intern. And we were all like, well, I was like, we're all women of color right now. Like at the last people at this company, like working here. And I'm just like, why the hell are we the one, last ones here? Yeah. Like, this is not okay. And I told the intern, I'm just like, you don't, don't kill yourself over this place. And she's like, no, I need to like hustle and show them. And I'm just like, no, you are already great. Like yeah. you, she just feels like she needs to be like 10 times more um, effective or whatever to get the same thing as everyone else. And I know how that feels because I felt that way. I feel like that's how they make you feel, though, especially when you're a person of color. Yeah. Because it's like at the end of the day, whether you want like mm-hmm. whether companies want to say it or not, you're going to get penalized a lot harder. Yeah. Than mm-hmm. like a white person. Yeah. Exactly. Because I've, I've seen it. was it. also like instilled from us from like being like kids. Yeah. I yeah. feel like our parents always made us feel or tell us, you know, that we have to be 10 times better yep. mm-hmm. than, you know, someone that is white. Yeah. In order, because we're starting like behind right. the, the starting line, basically. Yeah, because yeah. like you already have that strike against you from birth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, what are the types of advice you would give like a young, younger person who's kind of just like floating and confused? Um, I mean, I don't know. I I feel <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I feel like I usually feel for. I mean, I always feel for them. 
Like, um, when, if I'm ever in, I mean, I'm not so much now, but when I was in the power of hiring um, interns, Ooh. I always made sure to mm -hmm. hire um, people of color interns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was always my number one priority. And it was kind of like, you know what you just said, you know, don't kill yourself over mm -hmm. a job. You know, you're doing, uh, you know, you're doing a great job or just, you know, keeping them, you know, motivated, um, but like letting them be part of certain decisions too. Um, you know, figuring out what they want to do, like kind of like guiding them and like, what do you like? What do you want to do? Like, mm -hmm. do you see yourself in this industry? Like, what else do you want to do? You know, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Um, just because I wish I had someone that mm -hmm. would, you know, kind of take me under their wing. Mm -hmm. So I always try to do that for any interns in the industry that I have. Yeah. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. What about yeah, you? I, I agree. Um, like with uh, what Litsy was saying, and I think just as I've been in the industry for so long, it's just a matter of um, not settling. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like, I think with me, I wish... And this was like this is like one of the things that Litsy said. Like when I was looking for a job, like I used to send Litsy my resume, like, uh -huh. oh, like Litsy, yeah. help me, please. Uh -huh. And it was we always just had, like had the conversations, like no, like you know, knowing how to when it comes to like the pay, mm. oh, like yeah. not yeah. Yes. not settling and not just going with what they tell mm -hmm. you because that's what they think that you deserve when you yeah. know that mm -hmm. you bring more to the table. Mm -hmm. Also, just Absolutely. to go for it, yeah. Like you know, so many people, so many. I, I think I read it like it was either a tweet or a quote somewhere where it's like white men um, apply to jobs that are oh, they yeah. are not qualified yeah, for. They only feel 60 percent qualified, yeah. whereas women yeah. is like 100 percent qualified. Yeah. So I'm like, just go for it. Yeah, What's the worst that can happen? You're not going to get the job. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's a lot like, of the times it's fake until you make it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Exactly. It's like that, it's like, that was on the shirt. And I'm like, hmm. Isn't it Mindy? Where's Mindy the line? Says, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, that's the thing. So do you guys watch Insecure? Yeah. I don't. You I'm don't. like I'm the only one that does. I get that every time. <laughs> it's like it's like you didn't read Harry Potter or something. Like I you're know. like okay, you're socially shunned from this conversation. <laughs> I get. I literally get that every single time. Yeah, like, I'm gonna watch it. Okay, so Andy's not part of this conversation. So you and let's <laughs> no. So let's see. So do you remember that scene where like Molly is like at her law firm? Mm -hmm. Molly's like like basically She's Issa like, Rae's yeah. is, okay. bestie, right? Or Yvonne Orji. And she, so Issa Rae actually introduces her in the beginning of the series, right? It's like, Molly, white people love Molly and black people love Molly. And it's just like her navigating all of these spaces mm -hmm. with like, you know, perceived grace, right? Because mm -hmm. she's so good at like reading the room and acting the part, like code switching basically. And there's an episode where there's like this really brilliant intern who's super smart but Molly, she doesn't really code switch for her firm. Her firm's mostly white at that time. And Molly kind of like sets her aside to be like, hey, you need to kind of like tone it down. Like we're not. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Do you episode. remember that scene? Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you know, you need to tone it down. Like you can't be too loud. Like you can't be too comfortable here. Like you have to be more subdued or be more palatable, basically. And she's saying that to help her. Right. And basically the the intern is like, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to let you like dim my light or whatever. And yeah. she, cause she's like, I'm smart. I'm like top of my class. I got this and I'm just going to be myself. But then, and Molly kind of like, you know, kind of whimpers away. And she's like, man, like, am I betraying like my identity by being too subdued here? And later, you know, like one of the partners talked to her and being like, you know, Molly, can you like tell the intern that she's being like too much? 
And Molly's in this like crossroads of like, oh shit, now mm-hmm. I need to go back and tell her, <laughs> you know, all the white people basically want you to like not be so black. black. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like that episode was like so illuminating and like it hit me because I'm like, I, I don't even... I can't even tell when I'm code switching anymore. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys do that as well. I think I just that don't I talk. do, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't you just become mute. You're like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I do, mm-hmm. but I don't know when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Just because the, you like in sales, yeah. you know, you have oh, to play a part yeah. of, you know, being relatable totally. to who, the client. You know, to the client. Mm-hmm. You have to be super relatable. You have to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure mm-hmm. that I definitely do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't realize when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But you know, with my coworkers, I'm, I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because you're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But with you, Andy, do you feel like that is almost like hindering you, like not being able to code switch? I'm not saying um, you're not able to. It's just like, like you're I've, choosing not to, I've right? I've code switched before, but I just really just don't like to because it starts making me uncomfortable because I'm like, now I feel like I got to act like you yeah, to make you Mirror comfortable you. when now I'm making myself uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's like sometimes depending on like where I am, sometimes I'd just rather like not say anything, especially when like I know we're like really like we're, I know we're not going to have anything mm-hmm. that's going to be relatable or that we're going to yeah. like bond on. So yeah. it's like I'm just going to keep the conversation at like a bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, I'm just, I'm kind of like tired of being in a place where I'm making myself uncomfortable for other people. Yeah. I don't think that's like fair to myself. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, not only am I already here and I'm like the only person of color, mm-hmm. but now I have to like sit here and be like, okay. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to have to. <laughs> yeah. No, it's for sure. And like, like, how would you, but do you feel like. Like, let's say you were in a situation like Molly, right? Yeah. Where you, like, see this person who you don't feel like they're going to advance as far as they can. Yeah. Because they're not, like, culturally fitting in. Like, what would, what do you think you would have said? Like, look for another job or just like, think, hey, you're still young. I don't know. I think because this is realistically the world that we live in mm-hmm. and being that she she was only an intern. Mm-hmm. I would I would have probably said, like, yeah. wait till you get the job. Yeah. Wait till you get a job. Because, like, yeah. especially, mm-hmm. like, especially, like, I mean, like, you can realistically, you get fired even if you have the job. Mm-hmm. But, like, an intern, like, that's, like, yeah. that's, yeah. like, really risky. Yeah. Yeah. Being an intern and coming in there, like, so loud and boisterous. Because I'm, like, you already have, like, the strike against you that you're a person of color. Mm-hmm. So now you're adding that other strike against you. The fact that you're literally, you're literally letting it be known. Yeah. So I would probably say, you know, just tone it down until, like, you really get in here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you don't you know don't settle up you know yeah but i do think that it's unfortunate that sometimes no matter what position you are you have to kind of like dumb it down mm-hmm. yeah in order it's to like advance. sad to say but that also like is the reality yeah depending on of course what business you're in but to some extent you do have to dumb it down a little bit for people because they just can't handle it realistically yeah yeah I was listening to this like random podcast with Tan France and, and uh, Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye. Yeah. And um, Tan, he's like the designer of the thing. And he started this new Instagram called Shaded. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys like it, saw it. It's very collective shade. It's yeah, nice. Yeah. You're like, I, oh, we were first. Um, <laughs> no. But he, you know, he's really passionate about um, like colorism and stuff because in his community, like bleaching, skin bleaching and all that stuff is like crazy. Yeah. Um, but he said that one of he was at a party once and he was talking about this during his podcast, like where a more veteran like 
uh, celebrity who was of his culture, I think, or a person of color, like set him aside and kind of was like a Molly moment of just like, you know, you can't be too much. Like, you know, like that's not going to make you successful. Like you have to be marketable. Like, do you want to be in front of Macy's? Like, do you want to be in those ads? Like you have to be like palatable for them. And it's like, I think it's problematic that like within these communities, we're giving each other this advice just mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, whitewash ourselves to be more palatable. But then you see certain generations who are like, that was their survival of just yeah. like, that's how I came like we silence ourselves and then we were in the position where we can help others. And like, if we didn't silence ourselves, like there wouldn't be the show or like there wouldn't be this thing. Like I think about the Cosby show, like I was learning about it in my media class of how, you know, they, they, it was such an important show, such a great step in diversity, but their representation of uh, the black nuclear family, right? Mm-hmm. It's not reflective of the larger community. Like they're very rich, you know, the Cosby, the, the family dynamic, they're very rich, very harmonious and like very, and it was something that would be palatable to a general audience. But was that, you know, what, th- is that what it took to get like that first foot in the door? Yeah. So we could have like other shows like Atlanta, have other shows that are like award-winning now mm-hmm. because we talk about it in terms of like the Asian American community where it's like we have fresh off the boat now which is it's, love that show yeah it's so cute it's so I, cute so I cute. relate yeah. with the oldest sons so, so much yeah. especially in the first couple seasons I was yes. like I am him and you are me <laughs> I make you are Eddie me. I am you Eddie Wait, okay, we are the same expand. person Wait, please expand <laughs> just because it's like you have an immigrant family yeah. and you grew up listening to like Nas was like your favorite yeah. rapper and yeah. I'm like nobody really understood me yeah <laughs> <laughs> like your family, right? Yeah, it's like, like what my are you family too. Yeah, like yeah. They just didn't <laughs> get it. This? They didn't get my lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I felt them. No, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, like we talk about that show, and it's like it's like the first like Asian American TV show. So mm-hmm. like literally like every Asian person has something to say about that show, right? Which I'm sure back in like the <laughs> times, there every person probably had something to say about like it's this show's problematic because it's not reflective of me because like we put so much pressure because there's only one show Mm -hmm. and I think it it manifests into like people as well like if you're like that one person of color executive right Mm -hmm. and like you you had your survival tactics to get there like when do you transition out of that right of just like where you can make those bigger decisions and when do you keep your head down to get to that place in the first place it's something that I like think about a lot because like I think now I'm 28 now when I was younger I was more comfortable with code switching because I was like this is New York City no one's gonna like wait for me like I need to like sell my soul (laughs) to the devil and like you know be that corporate hoe and like you know and but now I'm here I'm just like I'm tired like I feel too hoed out like you know what I mean yeah, I can't do out. this anymore. Yeah. I'm too hot out. And then when I see like younger people doing it, it like triggers me. I'm just like, yeah. no, mm-hmm. like don't make the mistakes that I made. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, could I have advanced like a little bit further, you know? Or so it's like such a thing that I think only women of color have to think about. Yeah. So it, it's like such a shitty situation. Yeah, I agree. I like, I know for me, even at work, like. I also, I think I, for me, like, I've also just learned to kind of, like, be quieter just because, like, a lot, one, a lot of the girls are, like, they're younger than me. Mm, mm-hmm. So, like, we're also already kind of, like, just in, yeah. we just grew up very different. Like, yeah. we're not into the same things. Yeah. And then, like, I think for me, it's also, like, like, my dad was in the hip-hop industry. Mm-hmm. So then, like, I'm talking about, like, these rappers mm-hmm. and they, like, they literally have no idea who yeah. I'm, like, talking about. Yeah. I'm, like. 
But do you feel like it hinders your advancement? Like when you're kind of like, I'm not even going to participate? Like... Like, for me, I think, like, I'll participate Mm -hmm. enough when it comes to, like, my work ethic. But I think when it comes to, like, almost, like, building kind of, like, that friendship where, like, we're talking about, like, our personal lives. Mm -hmm. I think that I've kind of, like... I, for me, I felt like I, I stopped doing that because I also feel that sometimes when you get too close to people, they use that against you. Yeah. So I've just <gasps> kind of so learned mm-hmm. you have to keep work at work and your personal life with your personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just I don't really like to mix the two anymore because mm-hmm. I think that people take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Even even just like I, my company like knows I'm like really into just like Asian American like advancement and stuff like that yeah. and. I think when I pitch stories, for example, and like they always like approach me like being like, oh, we didn't reject this because it was like an Asian story. Like, and I'm just like, why are you even like telling me that? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, I I feel it's almost hindering that I'm so passionate about it at work because like then they make the associations like, oh, Jojo's like social justice warrior or like, oh, she's just going to get mad at everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, well, yes. But <laughs> am I wrong? Yeah. Um, and then I remember one of my friends, I, I was so speaking of like trying to, if you're in a shitty situation where you feel like really alone and you don't have and you want to do something about the racism in the workplace, yeah. one of the advice is like, you know, find a colleague or find a supporter because it is like such a lonely experience to experience yourself. And I had. Um, kind of like my older sister figure she um, w- she was the token black producer <laughs> and I was just like so angry and like hi me I don't understand like why they're like not why they, these, pe- these people don't understand like blah 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 and she was just like you just need to pick your battles yeah that's true and it sucks to hear and um, but if you get mad about everything then you're just going to become this boy who cried wolf I know you're not I know you're not yeah. but that's how you're going to be perceived so save you know, those times for things where you really feel like you can't budge. If it's something where it's like one story and you can just move on from it, like save yourself to trouble because sometimes like we drink our own poison. Like I, I get really angry when things like happen and it kind of, it literally physically manifests because I'm so like annoyed. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, don't even do that to yourself. Just like pick your battles, um, which was a really great piece of advice that gave me because I think at the end of the day, I cared so much because... I cared so much, you yeah. know, and there is a level that you need to let go when it comes to your work. And because there's more, you know, things, there's your job and there's a career and there's your calling. And one thing doesn't have to be everything. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of segment that out. Like, you know, we've done it in through various ways, like our podcast or like maybe our social media. But especially when we're our age and we can't make those like big decisions, sometimes yeah. that's just how you have to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to hear your like two cents about like how other than like not participating or anything, like when things maybe happen at work where you're really annoyed, like do you, you don't really even have anybody to talk to about it at work. So do you just channel it outside or have Um, you gotten to a point where you're like, so like, like not affected? I think I'm (laughs) like, like, I'm dead inside. Like nothing hurts me. Uh I think. I think I'm, I want to say I'm at that point only because at this point I kind of just expect certain things. So I just, I don't really get shocked when certain things happen. I'm just like, okay, well, I didn't really expect anything anyways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I kind of like tell, it's almost like I kind of like have to like not set 
like expectations. So I just so I was like, I'm not like letting myself down. Like if it doesn't happen, like if it doesn't mm-hmm. happen, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I really didn't expect it to, but it was worth a try. Yeah. No, for um, sure. So that's kind of how like I go about it because I was kind of like that person that was just getting angry about everything. Like mm-hmm. I was like literally sending Litsy maybe like these long paragraphs <laughs> all caps, of like all calling caps. my mom. I'm like, F this. I'm yeah. so sick of this yeah, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like it just got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm doing this every day. Mm-hmm. It's like you can't get mad anymore. It's mm-hmm. like either mm-hmm. you're going to quit mm-hmm. or you're going to just kind of stay there and just not really expect anything because you know chances are it's nothing's going to come of it yeah exactly so I think that's just kind of how I am mm-hmm. so Michael uh, from the shadows <laughs> like, wait, when you're, no because when you're talking when you're sending those long paragraphs like what was yeah, let's see. Like She's the guru. I, was like, I, was like, <laughs> I don't even remember. What did I say? <laughs> yeah, what did, what did Litsy say? No, so Litsy okay. is, she puts so much okay. emphasis just on trying to freelance. Mm, okay. Um, just because you won't really be like You're your tied. Own boss. Yeah, you won't really be like tied to someone and you could kind of like, you just, it gives you that more, like more of a flexibility to kind of like, figure out like the other things that you want to do because you're not getting it from where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, especially when you've been at a place for a, a, like a long period of time, mm-hmm. I think it also gets to a point where you kind of have to know when it's time to like cut the ties and just be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think like necessarily like quitting. I think, um, you know, like you said, learn to pick your battles. Yeah. I definitely, I think that I'm the type of person that is really angry a lot of the times mm. in certain what? situations. I'm not getting that right now at all. <laughs> she holds it well. You're the most zen person in this room. We're all like, we're angry. <laughs> I get, I'm very, I'm a very passionate person. Mm, so mm-hmm. I, I ride for, you know, my friends and yeah. my family yeah. and, you know, even, you know, co-workers too. And I think sometimes that is a fault of mine because mm-hmm. I feel like I always stand up for other people oh, uh-huh. um, more than myself. Mm-hmm. This so, is very true. Mm, mm. I think, let's see, you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not always like, you know, just quitting. I think it's like learning to pick your battles mm-hmm. and knowing when to stand up. Um, yeah. And um, I don't know. It's like, I think you always have to speak up for for what you believe in. Yeah. Um, because if you don't, you're never going to be heard, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. If you don't, like every everyone in the workplace is just going to coast by overseeing you because you don't ever stand up or say what you feel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that come up, then can come across a little bit angry mm-hmm. or a little bit too assertive or direct. But, you know, you're either going to take the advice or you're not. Yeah. And if you're not, then I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing, too, like with what Litsy was saying, like when it comes to speaking up. Especially when you're a person of color, you kind of just become all oh, this angry black girl, mm-hmm. this angry Spanish girl. I think it's a little bit different for myself and for for Angie. I can yeah. totally feel for what you're saying. You know, I have um, a privilege of, you know, yeah, I'm I'm Hispanic, mm-hmm. I'm brown, I'm a woman of color, but I'm not a black woman. Mm-hmm. I don't have those experiences, mm-hmm. so I think it's a little bit different. You know, um, when I if I were to be assertive, yeah, you know, it can come across a little bit too direct. But I think if like let's say if it was Angie being assertive, mm-hmm. it can come like you automatically get labeled. I've as, gotten it. Mm-hmm. You know, the the angry black woman. And mm-hmm. I really wasn't even aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> I because I'm really like I'm. I mean, I don't think I'm an aggressive person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. <laughs> like, let me just say Wait, that. Wait, like, no, no. <laughs> not like, no, not at all. <laughs> all caps. 
like uh-huh. I don't think I really don't think like I'm an aggressive person like I'm always or I'm like I try to be mindful of who I'm speaking to like I'm not really ever like raising my voice mm-hmm. I'm never really like cursing at somebody Mm-mm. especially like in a workplace but I've definitely gotten like okay you're being a little too emotional right now mm-hmm. like, what, what does that mean like yeah. I'm just talking to you normal yeah, yeah. but it's like I already know what you what you're I, like I, I know what you're telling me mm-hmm. but you're saying like you're being a little bit too emotional right now like I just need you to take a minute and think about it mm-hmm. I'm like I don't need to think about it because what I'm gonna think about is gonna be the same thing I'm yeah. telling you right now exactly exactly so I've definitely I've gotten it like more than once so I think it's I think again like it's just going back to like picking your battles because mm-hmm. like you just after a while you just kind of know what's going to come of it yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter how many times you speak on it, yeah, because they don't really care. Yeah, it it does suck that I feel like we're all really jaded. Yeah, <laughs> this conversation, yeah, yeah. there's no like string of hope. Like, yeah, you can be yourself. Like, yeah. no, yeah, I like, give up on these people because they're not gonna change. Yeah, it's a you know I think it depends because mm-hmm. I honestly think you know by being myself and being vocal and open mm. in my industry in my work right now, it's changed a lot of minds and a lot of you know it opened up a lot of you know I can honestly say like there was an old co-worker of mine Mm -hmm. who you know just didn't grow up in a diverse community Mm -hmm. and you know and we became really like super super close Mm -hmm. and she's such a different person now than what she was when I first met her Mm -hmm. like when I first met her I'm like I would not be friends with this girl Mm -hmm. like ever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but (laughs) like bye like you're not my cup of tea we're Uh not the same person like it was but you know after working with her for a long time and then you know she would say certain things and I'm like you can't say that Mm -hmm. and and I'm like well you can't say that because of this Mm -hmm. And then she would be like, oh, okay. And she would like ask questions, genuinely ask questions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can, you know, make a little bit of a difference. No, for sure. Like, I think I was probably that girl, like, because I went to a high school where it was 70% Asian. It was like Chinese, but really hills. Um, They literally call it that. It's called called Arcadia, but they call it Arcasia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 626. And I was like, wow, the stereotypes on TV are so different because like our valedictorians were like our prom kings because like, oh my God, like Sean got like 2400 on his SATs. That's like, he's totally going to go to an Ivy and that was like hot to us. (laughs) Like, like we live to up to our stereotype, I guess. But yeah, like, and when I came to um, New York for an internship, it was like a diversity uh, internship. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I was like the only Asian person in that fellowship. It was mostly black and Hispanic. And then I was the only like token Asian thing. (laughs) And, um, And they kind of like adopted me. And like, I remember like how they really called out my assumptions and they really like educated me and even like little things like I remember this is I am so ashamed of this but um my my friend Kelsey she um got a a, she like changed her hair and I was just like oh my god you got a haircut and she was just like let me tell you the world of you know black women's hair and like the beauty (laughs) industry and everything and I was just like oh and she was like telling me like all of these things and I never was exposed to that before and you know she was even telling me like you know it sucks but like I'm I'm doing this because I have an interview tomorrow and I have to been there yeah and she's like I it, it was like a conversation and it's like I'm privileged to never ever think about that I'm just mm-hmm. like oh I just wear something nice you know whereas yeah. for her she has to like be really thoughtful about like what is this workplace like what's going to be passing for me and that was so illuminating and if I didn't have someone like her like someone like a litzy to me like I would be this like <laughs> coolest person like offending everybody like 
And it was, I think, the first time I heard that I was a woman of color was actually from a professor at USC. She mm-hmm. so she taught at the inaugural class. It was um, just African-American representation in media. And it was like... It, I took it because I was like, number one, it was the only class available to me at that point because I was a <laughs> freshman. So I took it. And but there was like not a lot of people in that class. And she was like kind of disappointed about that. And but she taught me so much as well. And during like a, a session, like a one on one session, she was just like, you know, us as women of color. And I was just like, I never thought of myself as women of color before. Like because I was never confronted with it because yeah. growing up, I was the majority and growing up, I never felt like discrimination or anything and you know she was like telling me that like no you are you are not white basically telling me that right and I was just like whoa and it was like a total like like explosion and being in New York and like being in a workplace environment where you do have microaggressions and unconscious bias and I'm in you know if I'm confronted with that like yeah I'm just gonna start caring about it more and but then I definitely see my friends who still see in a bubble where they never have to confront with it. Like they just like kind of go about their day not worrying about that. And that's like frustrating for me because mm-hmm. they, you know, they're never maybe going to meet a Blitzy or they're never going to meet like my friend who's mm-hmm. going to take, you know, spend that time, which they shouldn't have to sometimes. Like yeah. there is such a burden for yeah. like the one token person to like educate everybody. Right. When you're just like, I'm not, I'm just here to like get my check. Like I'm not here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not, here to clock in, clock out. I know. I'm, I'm not like, to teach y'all nothing. <laughs> I'm not being paid for this. Like to pay to like make you into like real human beings. But, you know, it sucks, but it really does i think make an impact so yeah like even like i just think about like even everything that's going on with gabrielle union right now Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. like that's absolutely insane to me first of all i couldn't imagine someone coming up to me and telling me that your hair is your hair is like yeah wait also for our listeners might not know (laughs) can you like give give a refresher on like what happened what is it america's got talent yeah and they basically golden buzzer they let her go because they said that her hair i think they they didn't say too black i think they said too urban yeah Mm -hmm. which basically means too black or too ghetto that she like changed her hair too much yeah her hairstyles it was like inconsistent <laughs> which is honestly I get, the, I get those comments at work uh-huh. all the time just, they just didn't fire me uh-huh. <laughs> I will sue you I will sue your ass <laughs> right? yeah like I, I just get like oh my god like you just do so many things with your hair. like I'll never forget the first time I walked in there with uh-huh. box braids this guy came and he was touching my braids I was like what? Excuse me. Like, How long did this take? Non aggressively, she said. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and like he was yeah. not, like I knew he genuinely meant no harm. Like you know, mm-hmm. there's just certain yeah. people that genuinely just like truly don't know it. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I knew that he was one of those people, so like I didn't feel any kind of way. Mm-hmm. But I was like, they're braids. Mm-hmm. Period. You know the same thing that like anybody else <laughs> yeah. would get. Mm-hmm. But I've definitely been. I think this is probably like the worst interview that I ever had. I was actually overqualified for this interview. Oh shit. Uh huh. Um, I had been looking for a job for a long time. It was like right before the summer and I really wanted to get box braids. I was just tired of doing my hair. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear anything back from like any of these jobs for a while. A week after I had my box braids, Mm -hmm. can you come in for an interview? I was like, fuck. Mm -hmm. I remember this one. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, I can't go in there with these braids, Mm -hmm. but like I'm not taking these shits out because they took Mm -hmm. so long to even get braided. Mm -hmm. Like box braids take like, this should take like 14 hours. Mm. Holy shit. 14 hours. Gotta pack your lunch. I'm like, like, what am I going to do? I'm like, all right, like, I literally had to like tuck it in a blazer uh-huh. oh and like try to make uh-huh. it like not as noticeable, like not as noticeable as possible. But mm-hmm. I knew like as soon as I stepped foot in there, she was staring at my hair. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't get it. Uh huh. 
Damn. Like I, I just, crazy. I knew I didn't get it because she just couldn't stop staring at my hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is over. <laughs> That's crazy. So is there an unspoken thing? Like, was there someone who in your family or like an older figure who told you like, you know, you need to make, look like this or whatever, like play it safe when you're going to an interview? My mom. Or you just. Oh, okay. My mom, she mm-hmm. always, she always like the same thing like that Litsy was saying mm-hmm. before. Like my mom, she always told me, she was like, you literally have to work twice as hard to be considered half as good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of just like that same thing. Like this is really just like the world we live in even though that it's very unfortunate Mm -hmm. if you want a job like this is what's going to happen especially when you're applying to like these companies that are like the executives are white Mm -hmm. yeah you have to be you literally you have to be as relatable to them as possible Mm -hmm. yeah as like crazy as that sounds that's just like yeah and it's crazy like if this is gonna happen to gabrielle union who is literally i was shocking famous and like everyone loves her this is going to happen to her. How's it going to stop it from happening to like average Joe, like yeah. anybody on the right. street? So that's like, it's it's so crazy. Was there like a resolve after that? Like, I or? think they're like going through meetings, but I think mm-hmm. this is the thing that bothers me because it's just like, I look at just even different shows like with like Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. and Christina, like they do their hair all yeah. the time. They mm-hmm. do so many different things with their hair. Mm-hmm. Why is it like a problem? Like, why is it a problem for her? Yeah, exactly. But, like, they could wear all kinds of wigs. They could get all kinds of braids and gems and do all these things with their hair. But, like, it's okay yeah. for them. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, this is cool. This is groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. They fucking put beads and shit in their hair. But, like, yeah, she, like, Gabri- God forbid Gabrielle does not And it's like, well, hold uh-huh. on. Girl, nope. this is nope. too much for Too me. much for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And I think even just, like, she, Gabrielle would just mention that oh Simon Cowell just like smoking everywhere yeah. and like he was like you know I think this makes everyone uncomfortable like can we like do something about this and she was seen as like too difficult it's like yeah. well nobody ever said anything about it before like why are you all of a sudden saying something about it and then she came off as like quote unquote like a difficult person to work with and then was like the, and then in turn like associating with you know the fact that she was black yeah. and like she was being too demanding or whatever whereas I'm just like when Paula Abdul would be like up his throat every yeah. single week like nobody said anything about like they were like encouraging that fight like right. in on screen and like it's so different when it's like a woman of color or like someone that doesn't look like anybody else yeah. on the judges table which is so crazy yeah <sighs> and it's like it's just you almost think about like okay well what's the resolution yeah I know like when because <laughs> it's like you think like like I think that I'll see change sometimes I'm like wow like we're really mm-hmm. going in the right direction and then things like that happen I'm like all right well that just took us like 30 steps back mm-hmm. yeah when we were making like such progress mm-hmm. so it's always like what can you do mm-hmm. that is going to like kind of like push that lever and like really put us like on track for things like this to like not happen as often yeah no I I think about that all the time too it's like that you just become so jaded because you feel so powerless like you feel like you can't make an impact and you're the only one who cares um and sometimes like I we have like a little slack channel that's like uh basically all the people of color in the the whole company where we basically like you know share our grievances and like get (laughs) advice just like all right so like how do I deal with this and everything um and within that it's like pretty good and I, I think if anything I walk away from it being like okay at least I like, like I've made a community with these people and these people support me and in terms of how other people 
get in the way of it. I almost like treat them like bullies. You yeah. know, I used to get angry because I cared about what they said. And when you get to a point where you don't care, it's like you're just like pretty invincible. I feel like you're just like, eh, I'm just like not that's like total noise. I'm just going to like focus. But again, but it's like problematic when it gets in the way of your advancement. Right. It's just like, OK, it's one thing if I you know, it's not like the best culture or whatever, but it's another thing if that's going to get in the way of me getting promoted or right. get in the way of me getting a raise or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, so I think that's like the big issue and the question mark of like, how do we move forward with this kind of stuff? Yeah. But I think one thing, you know, would be like what let's see is doing of just like, you know, negotiate, you know, fight for your yeah. money. Like I, we had a previous guest on the, uh, guest on the podcast named Christy Mack and she, told us an anecdote about um, this white guy just started at her work and she was he was the same level as her. And he just candidly asked her, like, so how much do you make? And she was, like, kind of, you know, taken aback because she felt like it was really rude. Like, we're kind of conditioned to mm-hmm. be like, no, oh, no, no yeah. don't talk about that, right? Yeah. And she was like, uh, and he was just like, you know, no, I'll just power. I'll tell you how much I make. And he was just so forthcoming about it. Yeah. And she found out that he was making more than her, even though he just started there. And she was just like, she, the next day she like marched in. It's like, Hey, I know how much this guy makes, you know, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's, there's obviously, it it doesn't make any sense that there's this inequality. And then, Mm -hmm. then she basically got what she wanted, but it's like that knowledge is truly power. So like sharing as much as possible. So it becomes less taboo of just like, this is how much you should be making. And this is how much this, you know, average Joe, like white dude is making. So you should be making as much, if not more. I think that's like maybe one thing that could be like a toolkit for somebody. you also, you really just, you have to do your research. Yeah. um, Because you have to, you should know like what kind of company you're going into. Mm -hmm. Like what, just even like what the salary is. (laughs) Even though I heard Glassdoor is like not even that good. Because I heard like, I heard like people have been like, they'll pay for people to put like certain information oh, up on yeah. there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I think like that you also like use it, but like to almost like to your discretion, mm-hmm. but just knowing like, even just what's the salary for the job you're going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, like, okay, well, this is what I bring to the table. I'm in this range. I can maybe ask for a little bit more. Cause mm-hmm. if not, you know, they'll meet me at least halfway. Like mm-hmm. just going about it like that, just really, really doing your research. Yeah, for I sure. I think also like having someone as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah is super important like I know that I wouldn't have been I wouldn't be making what I'm I'm not like a millionaire mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be making <laughs> hey, the bag. Listen, <laughs> hey can you get her coffee later <laughs> uh-huh. but like I wouldn't be making what I'm making now if it wasn't for someone in the industry who um, used to be my boss and when she left you know she we still keep in contact and she asked me, how much are you making? Mm-hmm. And when I told her, she's like, no. Mm-hmm. She's like, so-and-so is making this much. Yeah. You need to go in there like, and ask for this amount of money. Yeah. And I was really scared. Yeah. And I did it. Mm-hmm. And I got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because she's like, you need to go in there mm-hmm. and, and say. Someone you. had to push you. Yeah. Honestly, it was just like, I was like shaking because mm-hmm. it's like you never, you never like are taught to like talk about money. Yeah. Um, especially as an immigrant, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you're supposed to be appreciative of the money that you get. Like, yeah. you know, you're supposed to like work hard and like, you know, just appreciate what you, what you receive. Yeah. Um, but when that happened, um, it was like a phone call. So I just called, you know, my boss and I was like, listen, I have an offer from another place and I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. So it was like a long conversation. 
And ultimately, he was like, what can I do to make you happy? And I just said, you can match it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Wait, and did you actually have another <laughs> offer or did you make it I did, it but up? it was for a lot less money. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, aka hustle. Yeah. We yeah. need to come up with a script or something that like yeah. some people can like read off of. Yeah. yeah. It's so important. Yeah. I see. I think this is also why it's really important. Like, I just think about like the classes that I took in high, like things like that are important. Yeah. 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 No like, one taught us to do that shit. No one no. taught us to do that. And then like my, a friend of mine who used to work with me, I heard her say one time, she was like, I always shoot for the highest, highest, highest uh-huh. cap of salary. Uh-huh. Um, and she's white and she's like, and then, you know, go, go from there. Mm-hmm. When we, yeah, shoot, we, yeah, yeah when we like, are like, okay, let, like, let me research how much this industry, like yeah. what they're making, what should I be making? And you shoot for that. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like you should shoot for like, yeah, way above. Yeah, yeah. The most. Cause then it's like, damn, I'm like, I don't want to ask for too much. Cause then they may not give me the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that like, that's, that's what I like. Even I know like, like where I am now, the first salary that they told me I took it, I didn't question it. I didn't mm-hmm. do my research, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I regretted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I regretted it later on down the line, but like I I didn't know also because like this was my this was my first job out of retail, mm-hmm. so yeah. like I had so no idea no context, like about yeah. like corporate. Like my mom, she's never worked corporate, so like my mom didn't really know. Mm-hmm. My dad, damn sure didn't know because this is not his world. Yeah, yeah. He's like hell if I know. Like <laughs> he's like how much per song? Yeah, like, right, like, like, dad. <laughs> so like for me, this he's is like, like what do you mean they can't give you two hundred thousand? Right. Exactly. <laughs> like another job. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not that easy I, I promise know, you I know exactly so I think for me this is essentially kind of when I got lucky because like Litsy was like the one that I was going to because she was the only one that really knew mm-hmm. who's worked in the fashion industry mm-hmm. and that could tell me like okay well like this is how you should go about it yeah I didn't really I actually still don't have anybody that's like that mm-hmm. yeah so you're like paying it forward yeah. like like you had your mentor and now like you're serving as a mentor for other people um, and I think I can maybe actually link this resource, but I know there's been like a Google doc that's been going around for, um, amongst like women of color, kind of like inputting salaries, like their own salaries and like their own industries. And it's like, it's like private. So you have to be referred to get this Google doc access, but mm-hmm. people started doing that. Cause it's like, they need, people need to know. Oh, I need that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> we'll send it to you. Look at it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, and I think that's one of those like, positive <laughs> to end on a positive note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right <laughs> but like you know when enough people like mobilize and and like help each other yeah. across you know races right. and everything it's like you can create some products that like empower each other yeah and help each other and like even little things like this podcast of just like don't settle like yeah. at least for the money like you know like yeah. if you're gonna sit there and like take this bullshit you better Make sure you're getting paid, paid for yeah. it right. no seriously it's true yeah, because it's like... Get your money, sis. Seriously. Because that few minutes of, like, uncomfortableness will be, last you and, like, have a bigger impact than, you know, staying in the dark for yeah. years, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, like, really, really important. All right. So we spent um, a good amount of time, you know, being jaded, sharing our experiences. And I think we can wrap this up by talking about maybe, like, one thing from each of us of what a listener can take away from like if you're a woman of color or a minority in the workplace and you're struggling to find your footing you just don't feel good you know you feel a little lonely like what are some takeaways from us as the all-knowing experts because <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've been there no seriously <laughs> that we can go so we're just kind of go around and share our biggest tips let's see do you want to go first 
Yeah, um, I think my biggest tip is to lean on somebody mm-hmm. and, you know, have like someone that can guide you through these spaces. Yeah. A mentor, I think, is super important um, that you can go and ask the right questions, the hard questions, and they'll give you like an honest opinion of how you can go about, you know, just, you know, getting through. Yeah, exactly. Get coffee with somebody that exactly. you love. Like, you know, that Informational. Yeah, just ask to get coffee, you know, and just kind of like tell them in the industry that you're in what you're looking for oftentimes they're going to want to sit down and talk to you mm-hmm. i've never had anyone say no to me exactly yeah Ooh. <laughs> hey okay. people want to you know they want to help yeah they yeah. want to help yeah and yeah and i think that's the key to like being genuine because i sometimes get emails where it's like they're so entitled to my time mm-hmm. um and you're just kind of like there are times when i like care about enough about them to be like hey by the way next time don't write it like this yeah (laughs) you know what i mean rather than ghosting them like if Mm -hmm. if they're you know if there's someone that i'm really not vibing with i'll like ghost them but if it's someone (laughs) where i'm just like all right you just don't know so like let me tell you like don't write it like this yeah Yeah. did you have a tip as well or was that the tip uh no that's that's a tip (laughs) (laughs) um i think for me it's just not settling mm-hmm. like truly Don't not settle. settling yes you have to work hard mm-hmm. but not settling in the sense of like don't do something just to kind of like satisfy someone else mm-hmm. yeah you have to you have to know like yeah you have to work hard too but this also has to make you happy because this is what you're working hard for mm-hmm. exactly so i think that's like my biggest thing because i think it's something that i've had to learn for myself mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it has to be something that makes you happy in the end like this is going to be worth it for you Mm -hmm. so for me like I got to that space of like knowing that I deserve better just from essentially being treated like shit yeah exactly yeah Yeah. and I think my tip it kind of relates to everything but yeah have that community um and it doesn't it doesn't have to be at work who believes in you because it does wear you down when you're treated like shit or when you're not treated equally at work and it you it's so easy to internalize it to be like maybe i'm not good enough like maybe i'm never gonna advance and maybe i'm never gonna like what's the point of me being here like having that community to reassure you to be like hell no like you're that you're a shining star like this is just a stepping stone or having someone who's continually validating you and you know for me sometimes like i'm that person for somebody else and it does get exhausting sometimes because it's like it it so negative and all that stuff but i know that like if i pick up that phone call just have that five minute like hype session like that is gonna help her like just continue on like another week and just like kill it um because some people just need they need to hear that because um and maybe this is a great segue to our next episode but like sometimes we don't necessarily get the same support from our parents right like they're from a completely different yeah era like i'm from a korean korean family they're not necessarily korean american and their whole thing is like you know a nail that sticks out will get stomped down so don't stick out just keep your head down you know when if you're loud like people are gonna like penalize you um so sometimes if you really can't turn to like your parents or older figures like you really just need to turn to your friends absolutely i think that's my tip yeah so a little bit about our next episode maybe so this is gonna be a very special edition it's gonna be a two-part yes and because we were talking about like what do we want to talk about and we're like damn <laughs> we can't fit everything into one episode. i know it's too good it's too good so i think we decided um that this episode was going to be about like our personal experience and the second episode was going to be more of like a macro 
um, assessment of like racial tensions and stuff. And Angie, do you want to talk a little bit more about it? Because so I think it's more so just talking about just the different communities, Mm -hmm. like where the divide came from and how that's affected generations because you grow up yeah you know you just you kind of grow up with those things in your head based on like what you were taught from like your grandmother or your mm-hmm. mom mm-hmm. and even how like just like why why there's like the divide like why yeah. sometimes like to like, be, to be more frank like you know our asian parents being super fucking racist yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's like why why but right then, and like even just having like those Asian like stores in mm-hmm. like black communities mm-hmm. and you know things like that and just like the stereotypes that come with it like yeah. what you think an Asian is what you think a black person yeah. is I yeah. think those are really like important uh, conversations no it's so true because like intersectionality right of just like it at the end of the day like the institution like the bigger institution the power structure is the one that's like benefiting Absolutely. from right. us being divided it's like, oh, they'll just kill each other. We don't exactly. have to do anything, you know? So it's like, I think we really want to dive into that episode of just like, you know, maybe highlighting certain people who are trying to bridge that gap yeah. and also like going, getting into the core of understanding of like, why did these biases even exist in the first place? So you guys can stay tuned for that episode, which will be, be on Collective Shades. But this was six ninety nine per pound. Yes, facts. Um, <laughs> so for our podcast, we actually have two questions that we ask all of our guests. Okay. Um, and the first question is, um, <laughs> what is the most important relationship in your life? And it does not have to be romantic. Wow, that's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, who am I going to offend by not I saying know. their name? <laughs> for me, I think I would say my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not be who I am without my mom. She has taught me, like, everything I know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just, I think it, it, that's, like, the most important relationship is my mom. Mm-hmm. She's taught me everything that she knows. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I would know a lot of things or try, like, a lot of things without my mom, like, pushing me to, like, you know, just to be better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Lutzi? I would say the same thing. I think the most important relationships in my life are my parents. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm super tight with both my mom and dad. And um, it took a long time for me to, you know, get there with them. Mm-hmm. So I really value that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think like, you know, I say like they're my best friends. Like I call them for everything. Yeah. Like if something exciting is happening, they're the first people I call. Yeah. If something sad is happening, they're the first ones that know too. Yeah. So they know like every part of my life and Mm -hmm. I truly value that because it was a lot of work to get there yeah yeah Yeah. that's awesome um and the second question is what is your personal mantra if you're on real housewives what would be your line (laughs) oh man shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think mine would just be to always be yourself Mm -hmm. that I I truly believe that the best relationships and anything in life always comes organically natural and in the best way if you're just yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just don't change who you are for anybody. Nice. I know. (laughs) And he's like, you took mine. (laughs) I know. Um, No, I think for me, it, it would be... 
um, just kind of like telling yourself that you're worthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes you get in certain spaces where you just don't think you're good enough for certain things. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that's just super important to kind of like. I think that you have to work hard on just building that confidence within yourself. Because mm-hmm. um, it's really hard for like other people to put it in you if you yeah. don't have it for yourself. Yeah. So I think that's that's like my biggest thing is just knowing that you're worthy of these of like great things. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that because, you know, I think some people might see us and <laughs> the successes that we have or like, you know, we can be dynamic and talk about these things. But we go through shit yeah. phases where we're like, what am I doing? You know, is this amounting to anything? And, you know, I think if our audience kind of hears that, like we're all going through it, yeah. it might help them reevaluate the way they think too so mm-hmm. like I definitely had days at home where I'm like yo I'm a bum yeah <laughs> I'm nothing <laughs> what am I gonna do with my life <laughs> let's see all caps <laughs> help <laughs> yeah well that was awesome um, thank you for listening to this collab episode to all of our listeners uh, remember you can stream this podcast on all major streaming platforms make sure you hit the subscribe button and rate the pod share this podcast with your group chat colleagues slash running group union rep mentee mentor wow that's a lot michael you made me say all of this okay (laughs) Um, and follow us at 6.99 per pound and at collective shades on instagram facebook twitter for the latest shout out to the listening party and canal street radio again follow them at listening party presents and at canal street markets marcus canal street market (laughs) i miss you marcus all right well peace guys see you in the next episode bye Hey yo, it's six ninety nine per pound. Podcast. Eba make a chill drop go.